When we get to heaven, there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we must all appear, all of the body of Christ, before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone, they pretty much said, get everyone here that you can. So, sorry, a little emotional after uh, hearing the intensity of the video, but uh, and the audio calls there. And it's an urgent decision because to delay makes the right decision harder. Indecision in itself is a choice. Not to decide is to decide not to. I'd like to welcome all of our online viewers. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you didn't know, we, uh, we live stream our services. We have right around 100, 100 people that turn it, tune in every Sunday. And so if you're ever sick or... Uh, uh, maybe out of town, uh, you can always catch Life Church online. Um, but we want you here in the flesh. It's important. We want you here in person uh, as well. Like I said, over the last several weeks, we've been in a series of message, messages that have specifically dealt with Bible prophecy and, and end-time prophecy. And there's a lot of noise in the world when it comes to these things. And so as a church, it, it was important to us to, as we laid out this series, we wanted to really bring foundational biblical truth to what's going on in the world today. Because whether or not you can see it or feel it, there's a certain urgency that is beginning to culminate in our hearts. The world today is not the world of yesterday. 2015 is not the world of 1985. And yes, I was alive in 1985, just in case you're wondering how young I am or old I am. As I was preparing this morning, I was looking in the mirror, combing my hair, and there was a lot of gray this morning. And I thought, all right, Lord, I guess it's time for me to grow up and be wise. It's, it's all in your timing. But so far in this series, we've discussed the current status of the world that we live in, specifically in regards to uh, the uncertainty that surrounds us financially, not only as a country, but as uh, throughout the world, politically, which is a big deal right now as we prepare for elections, and morally, as we have been handed down several different Supreme Court uh, rulings, and, and not only that, but ethics that has been questioned in this country. We have discussed the promised event of the rapture, which is laid out to us in God's word, as we will be caught up with Christ as believers, as Christ followers. We've also talked about the beginning of the tribulation and the, the key players in that, as Pastor Jim discussed last week. And as a series, this has not necessarily been an easy one for us as a, as a staff, as a church, to preach. And it's not because the Bible isn't clear. The Bible is clear. It's not because we don't like to preach about hard things. We love to preach about hard things. It's because we're preaching on a subject matter that we pray that none of us in this room will be around for. Because when we talk about the tribulation, which is our topic today that we'll tackle, 
Our prayer is that none of us in this room will have to experience that, that our house, so to speak, our hearts are in order, and that when Jesus comes back to rapture his church, none of us will be here. So why preach on it? I guess I'm done. We can all go to lunch early tonight or today. We're, you know, we don't have to worry. Why preach on it? We preach on it to educate you on what's to come so that you can in turn educate the people around you who you love. And unfortunately, we preach about it because there may or may not be hearts in this room that are ready. Whether it happens today or not. So we preach on this topic this morning, and I preach on it with a heavy heart, knowing the status of our world currently. If you were here last week, Pastor Jim broke down some of the key players that will rise to power during the tribulation. Some will bring about salvation. And some will bring about the destruction of our world. But the questions that I have is, what will this look like? How will it affect us as Christians? How will it play out? How can we prepare for something that hopefully none of us are here for? So go ahead and pull out your notes today or your Bibles. You can always look up... Uh, Bible scriptures on your smartphones at Uversion uh, with the Bible app, and it's a free download. If you don't have that, I highly recommend it. It's very, very good. But pull out your Bibles, pull out your notes today. I have a lot of scripture references that I'll be referencing briefly, not necessarily speaking the entire verse uh, verbatim. And so if you'd like to check those verses later on, you can try to write them down, scribble them down. Uh, the notes, as you'll look at, if you have them in front of you, they're pretty full this morning, so uh, you might have to just get creative where you put some of those uh, scripture references. And I'm going to be going a little fast. Uh, I, I don't typically go over uh, my time uh, when I preach, but I actually went over the first service for the first time ever, and so uh, it was by three minutes. So don't. I, I saw some faces like, Oh, no, we're going to miss lunch, the football game, um, maybe home group, I don't know. No, we're, we're going to try to keep it on time. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 in the English Standard Version say, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he makes his seat in the temple of God proclaiming himself to in fact be God. Now when we're talking about the man of lawlessness this is in reference to what the Bible also describes as the Antichrist. Antichrist, by definition, means an anti-Messiah figure. Jesus came to save the lost. Jesus came to bring hope, bring life. 
the Antichrist brings the opposite of those things. Jesus brings life. The Antichrist brings death, destruction. Matthew 24, 21 says, For there will be greater anguish than any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. I really like how the English Standard Version puts this scripture. It says, For then there will be great tribulation, such has not been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be. Tribulation means a cause of great trouble or suffering. This means the tribulation to come that the Bible is referencing will be far worse than the flood during Noah's time. And that's kind of blows my mind a little bit because God literally wiped out the whole earth except Mo, or except for Noah and his family. So to think of a time that's worse than that is a little crazy to me. It will be worse than the, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, if you remember the towns that were so greatly involved and affected by sexual immorality and sexual sins and, and, and just sin all over the place, God wiped them out. Even despite looking for just a handful of righteous people, he could find none. The great tribulation will be worse than slavery. We still experience slavery around the world, but our country has experienced slavery as well a time of great turmoil and be worse than slavery. World War One, World War Two, which 54 million people, soldiers, innocents, Jewish people were killed. It'll be greater than 9-11, greater than the stock market crash most recently, and also greater than the turmoil that France is experiencing this weekend. And this tribulation will last for what the Bible references as seven years of great suffering. Revelation 13, 5 says, Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. Seven years. 2 Thessalonians, which I read earlier, also makes reference to us that the Antichrist will appear during a time of religious apostasy. Apostasy, broken down through the Greek, is, is simply put apostasa, or apostasi, which means a defection or a revolt. That word defection sticks out to me because over the years, I, I've always really loved fireworks. And I think if you're a guy, you just automatically like fireworks because it's fire and explodes. It's cool. And some of the teenagers are like, yeah, I get that. I feel you. And every once in a while, you would get a firework that didn't work. And you would call that a dud. 
during, as we gear up for the last days, the Bible tells us that there will be lots of religious duds that will take shape. And Christianity is not exempt from that. But it also, it also makes reference that we'll be seeing the twisting of Scripture and downright attack on Christianity, which we're already seeing in this world. This does not mean that religion has disappeared. On the contrary, religion will be flourishing, but not Christian, biblical uh, faith. But false religion, cults, and apostate churches and leaders. We can see some of this happening in our world now. I, can, I, I remember a, a church that rose up in mockery of Christianity, and they called themselves the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. And you're, you're looking at me, you're like, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And I, I believe it was started as a joke, even though it was a mockery, yet it's developed into an actual religion that has tax-exempt status and followers to boot. What a silly thing for somebody to follow. I mean, I don't even know what you do in the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. I guess you eat spaghetti and fly with monsters. I don't know. But we see silly things like that pop up all over our, our world. People believe in silly things and it becomes part of them, part of who they are. We're seeing even this with Muslim extremism that has resulted in the murder of thousands of Christians around the world and even resulted in the death of individuals in France this weekend. When we talk about the Antichrist that scripture refers to, it refers to him as a man of popularity. And I saw and behold a white horse and he and he that sat on him at a bow and had a crown that was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer Revelation 6:2. When the antichrist comes on the scene, he's going to be a man of great popularity. He's going to look the part. He's going to say the right things. He's going to do the right things. And from the world's perspective, he will be the savior of the chaos that's going on. He will be a man of prosperity, a political genius, which is referenced to in Daniel chapter 11, verse 43. A man of prosperity and political genius. We also know that initially he's going to bring about peace, but it will be a false peace. Because remember, tri tribulation in and of itself means great suffering. But what kind of suffering are we talking about? Well, I'm going to give you a few examples of the suffering the Bible lays out for us. The first one is starvation. Starvation. In my opinion, there's a few horrible ways to die. Uh, I always thought as a kid, drowning was, was one of them. Always had a fear of drowning. A couple of close calls as a kid in the, the local pool. And it was a horrible experience. 
The other one would be starvation. As your body breaks down and you have no control over it. Revelation 6.6 indicates to us that bread will literally cost a bag of gold. Meaning that food will, will have become so expensive nobody can afford it anymore. There will be no human rights given to us. Revelations 13, 16 says, He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. I want to pause right here because I want you to really get verse 18. It says, wisdom is needed here. So as John is writing this scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, wisdom is needed here. Let the one with the understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. You know, I grew up um, learning and, and fearing that number uh, as a kid. You know, I, I grew up in church, and my mom, uh, even though she was away from the Lord at the time when I was a child, that was always planted into me. That's a bad number. That's a bad number. Stay away from that number. Well, Scripture tells us right here that it's just a number. However, it's the number that references to the Antichrist. Now, why is it a number? I don't know. We live in a world of vast technology, a, lo a world of numbers, equations, and this is what it breaks down to, 666. What else will we experience in the tribulation? Prison and death. Revelations 13.9 says, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. And lastly, that verse says, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. So today I want to talk to you about those words. Endurance, patience, and faithfulness. Because these are the very things that we need in order to be prepared for Christ's return. Also in doing so, preparing our families and friends with the same readiness. The first one is endurance. We must have the will to never quit. The will to never quit. I need a volunteer this morning. Somebody that you might consider yourself in shape. Um, I'm not going to make you do anything weird. I just need you to come up here and hold this little bitty weight. This is a seven-pound weight. And uh, you want to help me out? Can you help me? All right, we got, we got a volunteer right here. How much can you lift? I don't know. He doesn't know. Okay. Now, uh, this is my wife's, okay? I didn't bring mine because I couldn't fit it all in the car because I... I don't know why they're laughing. <laughs> this is my wife's, and um, 
I want to use you to help illustrate this point of endurance. I want you just to take this weight, and I want you to hold it just like this, as long as you can. If it gets too tired, go ahead and put it down, okay? All right, let's see. Now, you can turn your attention back to me. He's just going to be back there holding that weight. Endurance. Now, I'm not going to be talking specifically about physical endurance, even though I think that will illustrate my point uh, the best. I'm going to be talking about spiritual endurance. But if I'm going to use an illustration, I'm going to use the illustration of, of a physical act. Now, if I were to say, after the service today, we're all going to go out, we're all going to run a mile. Who's with me? Like four people. <laughs> now, some of you may be like, okay, we'll do it. I'm ready. A lot of you are like, okay, this is crazy. Maybe I'll try. And then some of you are just glaring at me like, you are evil. I'm not going to do it. The point is, we would all like to be able to run a mile, whether we can or not. We would like to have the endurance to. Now, I'm not, I'm not a runner by any means, but I like to get outside every once in a while and, and go for a walk or, or a run and, and, and just, to, just to keep myself going. But... Without the endurance to do it, if we all ran out, went outside and ran right now, uh, Karen, who's Pastor John's wife, she might be the only one that could do it. She runs all the time. It, you know, we'd be walking, we'd be tired. The same is true when it comes to our spiritual lives. If we lack the spiritual endurance to go through some stuff, and believe you me, there's stuff coming, then we're going to fall flat on our faces. Some will give up, some will walk away. And that's why I had the tagline, we must have the will to never quit. See, following Christ is not easy. And the question is not a matter of want, do you want to follow Christ? Or can, can you follow Christ? It's a matter of Will you follow Christ to the end? Not right now, not 10 minutes from now, but till the end. See, faith in God is not a popular thing in today's world. And living a godly life is even less popular. How's that arm feeling? So fine. Fine so far? 20 hours, okay. Who thinks he can go 20 hours? All right, yeah, go ahead. Lift it up. <laughs> it's only seven pounds. See, he, he is. He, he, he is. He, it's, it's okay. I think, I think either way it's going to illustrate my point. Well, they're calling you out right now. Yeah. And I thought preaching was hard. Jeez. Shame on you. I'm just kidding. Now, it's only the beginning. This, this world and the chaos that's starting, it's only the beginning. And in the days to come, your faith will be challenged 
And it will be in those moments whether you have the endurance to stand for God or not. Some may give up because they never built up that endurance. I want to give you five quick keys to building spiritual endurance. And you can write these down in your notes. A lot of them are no-brainers. But, I mean, it's a no-brainer if, if you want to lose weight, you have to exercise. And <laughs> it's the exercise part that's hard, right? No-brainers. The first one is studying of the Bible. Not just reading, not just getting the verse of the day on Facebook, but studying God's word is important for spiritual endurance. Is there a person in this room that understands the whole Bible, front to cover, or front to back? No. That's why you have to study God's word. You study the things you don't understand. That's how you go deeper in God's word. The second thing is prayer. You have to be a person of prayer. You have to commit to prayer. I have this great app on my phone. It's called Echo, E-C-H-O. If you, want to be, if you want to get better in your prayer walk, download it. It's great. You can put in a bunch, as many prayers as you want, people, uh, situations, um, personal stuff, whatever you want. And then you can set your timer to go off throughout the day. And then you can pause and pray for a few minutes. It's a great app. Seeking forgiveness. Oh, this is, this is a good one. If you're serving God and you're trying to grow in your faith and you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's like trying to start to become a runner and having an injury that you're just ignoring. And eventually that injury will take you out. It, it, it will slow you down to where you're not effective at, at building that endurance any longer. Your unforgiveness will do that as well. So if you want to grow spiritually, you want to build up that endurance, make sure that you're not holding unforgiveness in your heart. Faith-building friendships. If all you surround yourself is with people that don't profess Jesus or follow God and they just are all about the world, it's like, it's like me surrounding myself with people that like to eat cake all the time. Because I like cake. You have to have a balance. You have to have people of faith in your life. The last one is faithful church attendance. You're all here this morning. Good job. Go ahead and tell the person next to you, say, good job. Go ahead and tell them, see you next week. See you next week. It's important. You know, I love having our online audience and that ability because if you're sick at home or you're out of town and you want to catch Life Church live, you can join in, you can follow it, you can be a part of it, but nothing beats being here, being here in this building with each other. It's what God called us to do. How does your arm feel? Fine. All right. Go ahead and give my volunteer a hand. Thank you. Now, he tried a few different ways. As you saw, he held it up high for like three seconds. Because your arm probably started getting shaky a little bit. Holding it out here started getting a little bit weak. And it's not necessarily that you can't. It's just over time, even though this is only seven pounds, it's going to weigh on you. I wish we had like Arnold Schwarzenegger at our church because 
it would have worked really, I would have made him do this the whole time, but not even he who, you know, is so buff, would have been able to endure it that long. Your spiritual commitment to God is the same way. This world is not getting any, any lighter. The problems are going to get heavier. And how's your endurance going to hold up? How's your faith going to hold up? The second thing is to be a person of patience. We must be patient. How many patient people do we have in the room this morning? One, two, three, four, five, six. Some of you are lying. I know you are. Or we're going to pray at the end. You can raise your hand again. God, forgive me. <laughs> In this room, we have probably close to 400 people, give or take. And we had about a dozen people raise their hands. Why? Because being patient's hard. Notice how I didn't raise my hands, because I'm honest, for one. <laughs> because it's hard. Patience is referenced throughout the Bible, throughout the Word of God, and Jesus oftentimes tells his disciples to be patient, whether he comes right out and says, okay, you guys need to pay, be patient, or he just says, chill out. I have a six-year-old. Patience is not in his vocabulary at all. And I can imagine the disciples were a little bit like that with Jesus, because they're always wanting to know what's going to happen. Jesus, what's going to happen? How's this going to happen? How's this going to work? Who's going to be first? Who's going to be last? Can I say that you're right? Can I say that you're left? And Jesus is like, be patient, brah. <laughs> Sometimes Jesus has a Californian accent in the head. Be patient. Luke 21, 19, Jesus tells us, by standing firm, you will win your souls. By standing firm. He didn't say to stand worried. <sighs> stand awkward, like you don't know what's happening. Or to stand afraid or unsure. He said to stand firm. It's like him saying, have patience. I've already told you what's going to happen. I've already told you how it's all going to play out. I've already told you that I'm going to take care of you. So stand firm. Trust me. I got this. Verse 14, Jesus says, don't worry. In the same chapter, verse 14, don't worry. He's saying, look, all this is going to happen. You can't control it. It's, it's, you can't slow it down. You can't speed it up. All you can do is be ready and make sure you make as many people ready as you humanly can. That's your job. Stand firm. The third and final thing as believers, we've got to be faithful. We've got to have faithfulness. See, you can believe in Christ all you want, but it's faith that comes by hearing. So what exactly are you listening to? Because if you're listening to the news and the news alone, that can be pretty depressing sometimes. Not that we don't need to know what's going on in the world. We do. It's important. But if that's all you're listening to and the word of God is just sitting way over on the other opposite side of the house and you're only listening to the news, that can be pretty discouraging sometimes. Or how about the Internet? 
blogs are a huge thing. And, and I know so many people that go on the internet, they read blogs, and they, then they think they know everything about a certain topic, which is just the opinion of one person. It's not about that. I mean, the internet's a great place to grow, too. You can look up the Bible. You can go deeper in commentaries, all that stuff. But if that's how you're growing with one person's opinion, that's, that's not how you grow in faith. Or, or who else are you listening? Are you listening to your coworker, Shaniqua? Oh, come on. That was a lot funnier. You guys did laugh a little bit more than the first service. First service, I said Shaniqua, and they're like, huh. I'm like, really? That, that's, how, that's how we're going to roll this morning? Or are you listening for the voice of your Father through God's Word? It's my observation that this series of messages has accomplished something that, that we as a staff have never really, never really gave a whole lot of thought to. You know, we went into this really wanting to educate Life Church on end-time prophecy because there's so much noise out there. We had the big thing with the blood moons, and people were predicting the end of the world. And we've survived like four end of the worlds, so... That's cool. Uh, kudos for us. Um, sometimes I just sit back in my chair and pat myself on the back and say, good job. And I'm not making a mockery of any of that. I know it seems like I might be. But Jesus told us throughout his word, no man knows the day or the hour. Not even me. Only my father knows. And when it's time, it's time. And so we came into this really wanting to educate our church on that because there's a lot of fear, a lot of things going on, a lot of chaos in the world. But what's come out of it has really been an awakening of a lot of hearts towards lukewarmness. Revelation 3.16 says, But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I think that has sunken into a lot of our hearts. I know it's affected me. I've read that scripture verse, I've heard it about a million times. Yet, there's times when I can feel myself just going through the motions. And I would dare to say, there's probably times where you do the same thing. You can say all the right things, you can even read the Bible, and you can still be lukewarm. See, our relationship with God is kind of like a marriage. I'm going to close with this thought. In a marriage, you can take all the right vows. You can put a ring on it, as Beyonce says. <laughs> now that song's stuck in your head. You're welcome. You, take, you can say all the right vows. You can put a ring on it. You can have a ceremony. You can sign a license. You can do all those things. But at the end of the day, you choose whether or not you will be faithful to your spouse. See, you can always cheat on God. Let me say that again. You can always cheat on God. Sometimes you can even get away with it. Say, God, I'm sorry, and come back to him. But it's still a choice that you make to be committed to God, to be faithful to God.
to build that endurance. To wait on him patiently, even when you, you can't quite feel him. Would you stand with me as, as we pray this morning? So as this world gets closer to wrapping up, are you being faithful even when it's hard? Do you have the spiritual endurance to last? Are you willing to be patient for God to work miracles in your life? Those are the questions I want to leave you with this morning. Those are the questions I want you to search your own heart with this morning. It's not about being perfect. If we only allowed perfect people in this church, nobody would be up here to speak or play music or open the door or take up offering. It just wouldn't happen. It's not about being perfect. It's about being committed to our Heavenly Father. And now more than ever, because the world that we live in will not be here forever. I'm not trying to scare you and say, okay, in the next 10 minutes, Jesus could come. Could he? Sure. Could also be 30 years. I don't know. But Jesus didn't say to be ready right when I come back. He said to stay ready. To endure through hardships. To be faithful. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Here at Life Church, we pray that you have a blessed week. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always go to lifechurchutah.com.